0: well good morning it is uh, so good seeing all of you guys welcome to Forest Park um welcome to the first day of Advent 2023 it's hard to believe Advent is here as you make your way uh, back to your seat go ahead and grab your Bibles we're going to be in Micah um and let's let's go to the Lord in prayer our Heavenly Father we thank you uh, so much for today thank you for your incredible mercy and grace that you have lavished upon us Lord thank you that all we have is you because all we need is you and Lord as we come to your word I pray can you speak to us can you make yourself known to us can you open up our ears our eyes our hearts and our minds help us to see your truth revealed in scripture help us to understand your truth And, Lord, may this truth not just be head knowledge, but may it impact how we live our lives. May it confront us in our sin. May it address our fears and our struggles and our anxieties. And, Lord, help us to trust you, help us to look towards you, and help us to honor you and believe in you. So come, Lord, and speak to us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as today marks the the first Sunday of Advent, we're starting a brand new series through the book of Micah. Um, And so maybe if you're new here to church, or maybe you've never heard of Advent, uh, or maybe even some of you kids at family service, you're wondering what in the world is Advent. So before we get into our series, let me talk a little bit about Advent, and then we're going to talk about what Micah has to do uh, with Advent. So what Advent is, Advent comes from the Latin word which means coming or arrival. And so when we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating the first coming of Jesus in humility. And we're also celebrating the anxious waiting for a second coming in glory. So in other words, Advent, the season of Advent marks a time for us to watch and wait. And we kind of see this. Everybody's excited for Christmas. You're watching and you're waiting. Can't wait to open up the gift. So we're in a season of watching and waiting. We can't wait for Jesus to come back and to make all things new. And it's also a season for us to remember and to rejoice in what Jesus has done for us when he took on flesh. Now, there are a variety of ways to celebrate Advent. Some of you do Advent calendars. Uh, Others of you do Advent candles. Um, As you can see here, we decide to do the Advent candles. And the reason why is what these candles symbolize. It symbolizes an ever-increasing light that pierces into the darkness. And John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Jesus is the light of the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. And yet, the darkness did not overcome it. And so every week we light another candle until the final candle, the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. And really what it shows us is this ever increasing light, this piercing into the darkness, which really is a picture of the gospel. And so that is Advent in two minutes. And so now the question is, okay, shouldn't we be in Luke? Why Micah? I'm asking myself the same question. What does Micah have to do with Advent? Um, Really, the message of Micah reminds us that when we look around in our world, um, it seems like our world is broken. It's filled with cruelty. It's filled with violence, corruption, oppression, injustice. Sin has infiltrated every part of our society. And yet, amidst all the darkness... There's hope, but our hope is not in the celebration of Christmas. Like, if you've noticed in our culture, if you notice in our our world, uh, it seems like this time around Christmas is this time where all of us believe that all of our struggles, all of our worries is going to go away. I was gonna quote a bunch of Christmas songs, but we don't have time for it. But, but the point is like, this is how, what our world longs for. Our world longs for this season of Christmas that's filled with hope, joy, and laughter, and perfection, and happiness, and all of the struggles, and all of the worries, is just gone forever. And as long as we just make it to this Christmas time. And you're wondering like, where did our culture get that idea from? Who placed this longing inside of their heart? of joy and hope and peace and love because in that longing, they're all realizing something is wrong. And it's really the Lord that has placed it in all of our hearts, and it's a reminder that something is wrong. And the book of Micah is going to show us that something is very wrong because there is rebellion against God. And what will, make this, what will make all the wrong in the world right? God promises a coming kingdom. God promises a coming king, and this king is going to appear in the most unlikeliest of ways. And he is going to rule in the, un, in the unm- most likeliest ways, and righteousness and justice is going to prevail. That's the message of Micah. So here's our job today. Uh, My job is to cover three chapters in 20 minutes, keep it PG for all the kids, okay? Make it in a way that all of us can understand it, and then try to figure out how to draw application from it. So let's see if we can do this. Are you guys ready? All right, let's get into uh, Micah chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, the word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Moreshite... What he saw regarding Samaria and Jerusalem in the days of Yotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And here's this message. Listen, all you people. Pay attention, earth and everyone in it. The Lord will be a witness against you. The Lord from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is leaving his place and coming down to trample the heights of the earth. The mountains will melt beneath him, and the valleys will split apart like a wax near a fire, like water cascading down a mountainside. All this will happen because of Jacob's rebellion and the sins of the house of Israel. What is the rebellion of Jacob? Isn't it Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Isn't it Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the countryside, a, plant, a planting area for a vineyard. I will roll her stones into the valley and expose her foundations, and all her carved images will be smashed to pieces. All her wages will be burnt in the fire, and I will destroy all her idols, since she collected the wages of an immoral woman, and they will be used again for an immoral woman." All right, are you guys ready? So. Inver, we're just gonna, Again, we're not going to zoom into every little detail. We're going to kind of zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, give you the big picture. So verse 1 uh, gives us a lot of detail about the prophet Micah. Uh, it tells us that Micah is a Moreshite, which means he is from a southern uh, small village of Judah, Morash, which means he's a good old country boy. And he served during the, the reign of three kings. Okay, so all the kids, can you find the three kings in verse 1? Who's the first one? Jotham, the second one? Ahaz. Ahaz, And the third one? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Very good. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you to tell me the history of all three kings. But real quick, Jotham was a good king who feared God. His son Ahaz, not so good king. He caused Israel to sin as he built up all these false idols and all these Asherah poles and all kinds of things. And it was during his reign where the Assyrians invaded Israel and also began to invade Judah. And the third king, Hezekiah, which was the son of Ahaz, he did not follow in his father's footsteps, but rather in his grandfather's footsteps and honored and feared the Lord. Now, there's no way that Micah could serve during the rule of three kings. So more than likely, he served at the end of Yotham and in the beginning of Hezekiah, so mainly during Ahaz's time. And scholars tell us that he ruled for 30-some years. Now as we look at verse 2, it seems like all the words of Micah seems very harsh and very abrupt. And the reason why his words seem so harsh and so abrupt, because he's trying to wake all of us up. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get the people's attention who've been ignoring God's word because the people think to themselves, we can do whatever we want to because we're God's special people and God's not going to do anything about it. God loves us and he's going to forgive us so we can live and and do whatever we want to. And Micah says, you have it wrong. Wake up, you people. You can't just keep doing whatever you want to do. There's going to be consequences. And let me tell you what's going to happen. God is going to leave his throne and he's going to come and judge you. And when he's going to leave his throne and judge you, let me tell you what, it's not going to be pretty. And so why is God going to judge them? Why is he going to leave his throne? Look at verse 5. All of this will happen because of Jacob's rebellion, his sins. And look at this, the sins of the house of of Israel. What is the rebellion of Jacob? Isn't it Samaria? What is the high places of Judah? Isn't it Jerusalem? So in other words, the reason why God is going to judge them is because of their rebellion. So the question is, rebellion against what? So, if you're taking notes here's the first thing that the people have rebelled against the people rebelled against god's covenant they have rebelled against god's covenant so real quick here i'm sure all of you kids wonder this question and i'm sure your mom and dad wonders this question what in the world is a covenant and what is the covenant that god has established between his people okay So a covenant is a binding agreement between two groups of people or two people. When mom and dad got married, they've entered into a covenant, a binding agreement. I'm going to be your husband, you're going to be my wife, and we will depart when one of us dies. That's the covenant we've entered into. So God made a special covenant with his people. He initiated the covenant and tells the nation of Israel I'm going to be your God and your God alone and not only am I going to provide for you physically I'm going to provide for you spiritually and I'm going to protect you from all of your enemies. So that was God's agreement and the people's agreement is okay you're our God and we're going to serve you and you alone. In other words we're going to be loyal to you, and we're going to obey all of your commands. Everybody understands the agreement? God is going to be their God. He's going to provide for them, protect them. They're going to be God's people and serve Him alone and obey all of His commands. And really, the root uh, of all of those commands, this covenant loyalty and covenant obedience, can be found in the Ten Commandments. Okay. I'm not going to ask any of the kids if you know the Ten Commandments. Or oh, let me say this. How many of you can say as kids, I'm not going to ask you because we don't have time. How many of you can say, I know all the Ten Commandments and I can say it in order? Okay. All right. Two of us. How many adults can say, I know all the Ten Commandments and I can say it in order? Okay. Kids, look at mom and dad and say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. No. Here's why it's so important for us to know the Ten Commandments and to know it in order, because it really is the foundation of the covenant that God has established with His people. And I'm gonna show you this. Here's the Ten Commandments um, in order. First of all, you shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall, on the Sabbath, you shall observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy, by worshiping God. Five, honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, and you shall not covet your, your neighbor's stuff. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the four first four commandments have to do with covenant loyalty. You are going to worship God alone. You're not going to have any idols, and when you use God's name, you're going to treat it with reverence and awe. You're going to respect it. In other words, you're not going to just use it willy-nilly like you use your brother or sister's name, and one day a week, you're going to stop everything, and your entire focus and attention is going to be the worship of God. So the first four commandments have to do with your relationship with God. The the second six commandments have to do with your relationship with one another. Kids, you're going to honor your father and mother. You're going to honor life. You're going to honor marriage. You're going to honor integrity. You're going to honor truth. You're going to honor your neighbor. And these 10 commandments is like the building blocks of society. When you take those 10 commandments away, society crumbles. And this is what happened to the nation of Israel. They rebelled against God's covenant. You're like, well, how did they rebel against God's covenant? Real quick, look at verse verse 7. It says, all of her carved images will be smashed to pieces. All her wages will be burnt in the fire, and I will destroy all her idols. So which commandment did they break? Number two, they made for themselves idols were they loyal to god and and here's the thing what we have to understand if you break one of those commands you break all of them because for example if you make for yourself an idol now god is not god alone you've made yourself an idol which means you're mistreating his name and who he is because you're saying i think this is what god should look like this is what god should act like And you're not worshiping god but rather you're worshiping the idol and the people of god have rebelled against the covenant of god they did not remain loyal to him so micah one shows us the people have rebelled against god's covenant now micah two is going to show us if you're taking notes how the people have rebelled against god's commands okay the people have rebelled against god's commands and this really makes sense because here's why i say that if you break the, 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 if you're not loyal to God, how do you think you're gonna treat others? Good or bad? You're, you're gonna treat others bad. Because here's the thing our relationship with God impacts our relationship with one another. So, some of you kids, how many of you are always angry at your brother and sister because they're constantly stealing your stuff? Yeah, and here's the problem. The problem is not with your brother or sister. The problem is with you and your relationship with God. Because if you had a right relationship with God, even though they stole your stuff, which is wrong, it doesn't make it right, you won't get so angry because you would say, eh, it's just stuff. It does not really matter. But when your relationship with God is not right, Now you get so angry at them and you hit them or bite them or pull their hair. Don't do that. It's wrong just because they stole your stuff. And that is what happened to the nation of Israel. They weren't loyal to God. And now they did not obey God's commands. They mistreated one another. So let's look at uh, Micah chapter 2, verse 1. It says this woe to those who dream up wickedness and prepare evil plans on their beds at morning light they accomplish it because the power is in their hands they covet fields and seize them they also take houses and deprive a man of his home a person of his inheritance are you seeing how the people are acting The first thing they're doing is they're choosing deceit over truth. In other words, instead of thinking of how they can help people, they're lying in their beds thinking, how can I take from other people for myself? They choose coveting over contentment. They're not satisfied with what they have, but they look at other people's fields and say, you know what? I don't have that field. I want that field. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to take that field. They choose stealing over earning. They take the fields. And look at verse 9. It says, you force the women of my people out of their comfortable homes, and you take my blessing from their children forever. You know what people are starting to do? You know what a widow is? A widow is is a a wife whose husband died. They go into this this widow's house and say, hey, you you need to move out. This is my house now. Is that right? but this is what's happening. They're lying, they're stealing, they're coveting, they're, they're choosing to, uh, lying over honesty. L- look at verse 11. If a man comes and utter empty lies, I will preach to you about wine and beer. He would be just the preacher for his people. In other words, what's happening? These people are lying. And you know who the people are that are lying? It's the, it's the religious leaders. It's the pastors like me. They're telling everybody, things are fine. Don't worry about it. We're God's people. Go do and do whatever you want to do, and that's fine. God will forgive us because God loves us. Look how badly they're treating one another. So as a result of them rebelling against God's covenant, they rebel against God's commands, and in their actions, they're stealing, they're lying, they're coveting, they're creating wicked acts. And all of these actions now are just becoming normal. That's just what you do. And look at the results of that. Look at verse 3 to 5. Therefore, the Lord says... That's Micah chapter 2 verse 3. I'm now planning a disaster against the nation. You cannot free your necks from it. Then you will not walk so proudly. In other words, what God is saying through the prophet Micah is that if you continue to act like that, if you continue to take what's not yours, if you continue to steal, if you continually to, to rob others and take others' fields and homes and inheritance and kill others... And lie, uh, lie to others. You know what's going to happen? What's our word we just saw in verse 3? Disaster. That's not a very good word. Disaster. In other words, you keep up with that. The only thing that's going to happen is disaster. So, Micah 1 shows us the people have rebelled against God's covenant. Micah 2, the people have rebelled against God's commands. Commands. Micah 3 real quick the people have rejected God's word if you're taking notes the people have rejected God's word that's Micah 3. let's look at verse 1. then I said now listen leaders of Jacob you rulers of the house of Israel "'Aren't you supposed to know what is just? "'You hate good and love evil. "'You tear off people's skins "'and strip the flesh from their bones. "'You eat the flesh of my people. "'After you strip their skins from them, "'you break their bones, "'you chop them up like flesh for the cooking pot, "'like meat in a cauldron. "'Then they will cry out to the Lord, "'but he will not answer them. "'He will hide his face from them at that time "'because of the crimes they have committed.'" Now, these are bad words. They're not literally doing it to these people, but the way they're acting is if they're doing this to these people. And notice who who, Micah is talking to. Is he talking to all the people or just a certain group of people? Look at verse one. Who's he talking to here? To the leaders. It's bad enough that the people are acting like that, but look at how the leaders are acting. And the leaders who knows God's word because God has given them his word, what do they choose to do? To not obey. it, And by not obeying God's word is to reject God's word and Exodus 23 verse 6 to 8. This is what God told his people. You must not deny justice to a poor person among you in his lawsuit. Stay away from a false accusation. Do not kill the innocent and the just because I will not justify the guilty. You must not take a bribe for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and corrupts the words of the righteous. And yet in verses 2 to 3, we read that they're stripping away. They're taking things of value away from poor people. And they're claiming it to be for themselves. In other words, by rejecting God's word, they're abandoning mercy. When people are pleading, please don't do this to me. Please help me. What do they say? Nope, I'm not helping you. This is mine. And that's the result of rejecting God's word. They reject God's word by embracing pride. Look at verse 11. Her leaders issue rulings... For a bribe her priests teach for a payment and her prophets practice divination for silver yet they lean on the lord saying isn't the lord among us no disaster will overtake us like that is just prideful and arrogant saying we can do whatever we want to because god is with us they reject god's word and they're driven by popularity and greed um, Real quick here. The religious leaders, everybody wants everyone to like them, right? Do you want people to like you? Well, religious leaders wanted people to like them. And so when you give them a bad message, are people going to like them? No. So what do they do? They give them a message they want to hear just so that people can like them. They give a message of positivity so that people can constantly give them money. And this is what the religious leaders did. They were driven by popularity and greed. And as a result, they've rejected God's word. And they're constantly telling everybody, everything is going to be fine. We're God's people. God is going to protect us. God is going to provide for us. We can continue to live however we want to. He'll always just forgive us at the very end. And Micah is saying, you are wrong. You have rejected God's word. So these people live in a society where they've rebelled against God's covenant, they've rebelled against God's commands, they've rejected God's word, they're taking what's not theirs, they're mistreating people. What's happening to society? It's falling apart. Things are dark. Imagine you had no one to protect you, imagine the little you have is taken away from you imagine there's no future for you this is the world that the people of god during micah's time lived in and it seems like all hope has been lost and yet we know the lord is patient And faithful in love. Look at verse 8 here. We're almost done. You guys are doing such a great job. Look at verse 8. And if you do like to mark in your Bibles, I would circle verse 8 because 8 is a significant verse. It says, as for me, that's Micah, however, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord with justice and courage to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. In other words, what Micah is saying is he is, saying, he is standing as a man of truth in a land full of lies and full of sin. As he's facing opposition, as he's facing danger, he's holding firmly to God's truth, telling the people what you are doing is wrong. So imagine you're the only person standing up for what is right, all by yourself. Nobody liking you, everybody telling you, be quiet. This is what Micah is doing. But notice, how is Micah doing it? Not on his own strength. Notice, who gives him strength? Where does his strength come from? Look at the second part of verse 8. With the I am filled with what? With the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is what's giving him power. That allows him to stand up. That allows him to proclaim God's message with justice and courage. So where we're going with this verse, if you think about this, this verse seems very similar to that of Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. Maybe you just want to write down the reference. I'm going to read it, and you can read it later on. But it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion and to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. And what does Micah say? I'm filled with the Spirit to proclaim the Lord's message with justice and courage. Very similar. And you know what's very interesting? Very interesting. In Luke chapter four, verse 16 to 30, Jesus read the passage of Isaiah, which was very similar to the passage of Micah. And he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled. So in other words, Jesus fulfills both the passages of Isaiah and Micah, how? By living a life we could not live. By coming, taking on flesh, proclaiming good news living a life we could not live and died a death we were all supposed to die he became the ultimate and perfect sacrifice that would deal with our sins once and for all he would establish a new covenant a covenant that he himself would fulfill on the cross through his blood and in this new covenant he would offer forgiveness and reconciliation in other words be made right with god to all those who come to him By faith, believing that he is the anointed one of God, and he has come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the prisoner free from sin, and to make all things new. And when Micah said that in verse 8, you know what Micah did? Micah longed for someone to come and to make all the wrong in the world right, to take all the injustice and all the corruption and all the oppression to make it right. And those who are suffering, to lift them up. And that is what Michael longed for. And you know what? That fulfillment began when Jesus took on flesh at his very first advent. So let's talk about application here. Just like the nation of Israel and Judah have rebelled against God's covenant. They've rebelled against God's commands. They've rejected God's word. They were putting their hope in, in, in themselves, in their nationality, in their own wisdom. And as a result, society has crumbled. And the repercussions of it was, it was disastrous. If we're being honest, that's true for us today. Today. And i'm not talking about the world out there i'm talking about the world in here because when micah was talking he wasn't talking to people who didn't believe in god he was talking to people who god made a covenant with and it's so true for us today where instead of being loyal to god's covenant we worship idols now we don't have little temples with little shrines but we worship the many things that we're constantly chasing out WE REBEL AGAINST GOD'S COMMANDS AND HOW WE TREAT ONE ANOTHER, AND WE REJECT GOD'S WORD BY NOT STANDING FIRMLY ON IT. AND THEN WE GATHER ON SUNDAY MORNINGS AND WE HEAR MESSAGES OF SAYING, EVERYTHING IS FINE, ALWAYS ENCOURAGING, ALWAYS UPLIFTING. YOU CAN DO WHATEVER YOU WANT TO, GOD WILL FORGIVE YOU AT THE VERY END. AND MICAH TELLS US, NO, THAT IS NOT TRUE. Things are not fine. Things are falling apart. Things are becoming disastrous. And my hope is that as we read Micah and we read some of these harsh words, that they are being wake-up calls for all of us. Wake up. Look around you. So what do we do when we find ourselves living in a dark world where things are falling apart? If you're taking notes real quick, it's going to be very similar to what we've learned, as the people of God have rebelled against uh, God's covenant, we need to return to God's covenant. As the people of God have rebelled against God's commands, we need to obey God's commands. As the people of God have rejected God's word, we need to stand firm on God's word. and how can we do this the only way we can do this if we are filled with the Holy Spirit the strength that comes through us through the Holy Spirit that's freely given to those who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior In other words, we need to be reminded of the covenant that we've entered into with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is by His blood that we have been purchased, that we have been made new, that we can have a relationship with God. So let's not forget the blood that has been shed for us, that we've been bought with. Let us remain loyal to King Jesus. Let us obey his commands. In other words, notice this. God first established a covenant. Then he's given us the commands, not vice versa. So in other words, our salvation, it does not come from our obedience, but rather the blood, the covenant that God has established through his son Jesus. But as a result of that covenant, what do we do? We obey God's commands. And as we live in a world where everybody is obeying God's word, we need to remain firm and stand on God's word. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with one another. And all of those relationships have shown to us how it works out in God's word. Are you reading God's word? This Advent season, I don't know, the, the Lord has been really pricking my heart lately maybe you guys can identify with this um Advent just always feels like such a rush, and I feel like every every year it's like Christmas comes and Christmas goes and you're like what in the world's happened and it's like it's it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year and ends up being the most busiest time of the year we've got so many things to do and so I want to encourage you guys like as the Lord is kind of convicting me like maybe this should be a season of not doing a season of resting and reorienting and refocusing. We need to teach our kids what it means to wait and be bored with an expectation. To be in God's Word and to sit on it and allow God's Word to shape us and form us. And during the busyness and the hustle and bustle where we really want to self-serve and self-interest, we need to stop and refocus of the covenant that we've entered into with Jesus that he has freely provided for us. Let us stand firm on God's word. So that's the challenge the Lord has given me, and I'm just going to say, hey, you want to join me in that challenge, and stopping, and really embracing this season of remembering, rejoicing, waiting expectation, and trusting the Lord. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the covenant that you have established for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the commands that you have given us, that commands are really for our good because they show us how we can honor you how we can love you and how we can love one another. And when we obey those commands, there is nothing but blessings from them. Help us to obey them. Help us to stand firm on your word and help us to worship you and you alone. Help us not to forget this covenant that we've entered into with you. Through your son.